It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are here to break down the week six action with the campers, man. I was we were looking at the uh, the schedule ahead this week, and it got me a little bit fired up to to get to the uh, portion of the season where these guys become actual prospects and not players but we still have a a bit to go yet this year yeah we definitely have some time to go but I mean through six weeks you're kind of starting to see who players are getting to get a a little bit of a sample size that you can base your opinions on and you can start actually evaluating guys rather than just reacting and that's that's the fun part right there is getting dirty throwing on the film and getting a little sweaty, writing your notes down. (laughs) But, yeah, it's been – I mean, this season has been great. We have a a crazy week seven slate of games we'll touch on later. But um, before we get there, we have some business to attend to. Uh, Before we get into the the meat of it this week, anything for the the morning meeting before we get started? Uh, I think I, I'm good. I don't want to start us off on a negative tone, so I'll oh save boy. it for uh, for later on. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, how about starting on a positive note then with Campers of the Week? And I'm, I'm just going to take it away, man, because this is a, this is a special week right here. Uh, we made a couple of calls home to some very talented wide receivers in this draft class, and one of them is not only getting a badge this week, he is getting camper of the week from me. That is Quinton Johnston, TCU baby. So, hey, I think it was a little bit of the magic. My campfire story about Max Duggan, I think I, I inspired it. I think I had cursed this team a bit, cursed Quinton a bit, uh, by bad talking his quarterback in the preseason, we fixed that, and Quinton absolutely popped off this week. I mean, you go from 20 yards, 20 yards, 20 yards, 206 yards receiving, and a touchdown this week that was on 14 catches and 17 targets. They got the message that you got to feed Quinton. Yeah, finally get to see all of Quinton Johnson. And, like, it, it was starting to become a question of, like, who is this player? Are we starting to get worried? Why is he not involved in this offense? And then he basically doubles his yardage total in one game. He, he was sitting, he had 114 yards total before this game. Puts up 206. He ate this Kansas defense alive. They played a lot of zone and he just found spots. He he got behind the defense. It he he really showed his whole skill set, honestly. A lot of yak in this game, some broken tackles, making guys miss. It was nice to see the full skill set and kind of get you to breathe that sigh of relief when you finally get to see Johnson do his thing. It's unnatural how fast this guy is at his size the ability in the open field where he's catching it over the middle and he just turns on the jets and nobody can keep up with them and he's six four and it's just it is so effortless uh for him when he has the ball in his hands you just don't see that with these guys often 
Um, and honestly, man, like we're talking like, are we getting worried about him? Like, of course the doubts creep in when the production isn't there, but this is a big reason why you have to, you know, rely on the traits and what you're seeing with these players, because when the game plan swings their way, when he's getting the 17 targets that he should be getting on this TCU offense, this is what happens, man. And he shows you why he has real, there is a real chance that by next spring, we're talking about this guy in the potential wide receiver one category just because teams will fall in love with the size-speed combo. It's it's undeniable that he has wide receiver one potential in this class. Yeah, he he had a couple routes in this that were nice. Because like with the size-speed guys, it's like, how is their route running? Does it matter? You know, that kind of thing. And he had one kind of deep in dig route where he won against press man coverage. He beat the press with a nasty release and then just stuck his foot in the ground at about 12 yards and beat, beat him on the in route and then made a miss and then got 20 more yards. It was a 49 yard reception. It was like, okay, Quentin, you're, you're making, you know, the, the eyes are here. And now the question becomes what Quentin Johnson should we be expecting going forward? Obviously we don't expect 14 catches, 206 yards, but should we be expecting 10 plus targets, you know, eight plus receptions, you know, 70 plus yards, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think we should, I think if, if they're smart, they'll see, I mean, I'm not here to tell any professional collegiate coaches how to do their job. Uh, obviously that's not my role here, but what I'm telling you is you got six, four, four, four speed, give them the ball. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens. So I think we should expect more of this moving forward. That being said, if we go, if we revert back a little bit to these, you know, 30 yard performances, like it's, it's this kind of game that's going to stand out at the end of the year. When you put, when you throw on the film and say, you know, what does this guy look like? This is the kind of game that shows you what he can be uh, at his best. And that to me is, you know, that's enough right there. I mean, it's just, it's a rare combination you talk about route running. I mean, he's not – I'm just using this simply based on size and recency. He's not Drake London as a route runner, but he's faster than Drake London. So there's a bit of that trade off there where you, it's like, what do you want with these big guys? Well, Drake London had, I'm going to say this, elite separation ability. Uh, so take that, guys, uh, throwing that one in my face. <laughs> Uh, but not elite speed. And Quentin Johnson it has elite speed. And maybe he's not an elite separator, but he certainly shows that he's more than capable uh, of, of doing that. And especially at that size, this is the kind of performance that we're going to remember uh, when we start evaluating him. Yeah, 100%. This is the kind of thing where it's like, hmm, 206 yards. Let me check out that tape uh, when you're, you're looking for the, the good pieces of Johnson's game. Oh. We made it with Quinton. Oh, yeah, both time. That feels good. That one feels good. Been way too much negativity around this guy. Um, all right, give me your camper of the week. All right, so I have a returning camper. Uh, I have Israel Abanacanda from Pittsburgh. Uh, we talked about him before. I think it was after his hundred and. 77-yard performance and four touchdowns against Rhode Island. Well, this game, 
he decides to break Philip Dorsett's rushing record, 320 yards on the ground, and then break Pittsburgh's rushing touchdown record with six touchdowns on the ground. And it was obviously more impressive than the 177-yard game. I was like, damn, this guy is crazy. You know, he's run a wild, you know, he had 154 yards, 133 yards, 177 yards, you know, maybe a flash in the pan, but this is a lot of fun. And then he has a subpar week last week, comes back against Virginia Tech and does something that no other player has done before. I mean, this is a, a record setting performance and it it's really impressive the way he did it. It's like he's sitting patient, boom, he's gone. It's just like nobody is even like keeping up with him. He splits that gap. I mean, Pittsburgh's old line was incredible in this game. There there was nothing that this Virginia Tech defense could do to shed a block. But Abanacanda leveraged a lot of those blocks, made a lot of guys think he's going one way and then went another way and broke a few tackles and made a lot of guys miss on his way to 320 yards. I'm going to say something that might be a little crazy, mm-hmm. but I can't, you know, we're pre-evaluation stage. We're only watching what we can from a week to week basis. I think Israel Abanacanda might be the guy this year that takes that leap that we, we referenced this in the preseason. There's always a guy that just kind of comes out of nowhere and vaults himself into the top in the top conversation at his position. Last year was Kenneth Walker. And I think we're maybe seeing a similar thing here with the Banacanda because the speed is deadly. It is deadly. This guy has elite speed. So, and from this game, from, from what I saw in this game, the vision was also very good. The blocking yeah. was excellent, but he, he was seeing the field. He was seeing his blocks ahead of him, and he was finding the, the openings to, to make these big plays uh, with his speed. So, uh, like I said, a lot of time here, a lot of you know more nuanced evaluation to do here, but I just uh, – watching him this week – it something was there that I think was a little special. And I think this is a guy who's going to be in the conversation higher than anybody would have ever uh, expected going into the season. Do you see a little bit of Aaron Jones in his game? I feel like there's a little bit of Aaron Jones there where it's this slashing kind of diagnose, decide and go. And if, if he can find the crease, he's gone. I can see that definitely. I don't know, like I don't know if he's as shifty as Aaron Jones. No, no. But when he gets outside like that, and you see yeah. it, sort of, you you almost you can almost see his eyes light up. Like he's just he's kind of sitting there waiting. Like there was, I I think it was uh, <laughs> touchdown number five, maybe, <laughs> um, where it's a it's a run outside run to the right, and the. I think it was the guard climbed like into the second level and he just like sat back. Like he knew he could like see it materializing. And the second that the guy engaged the blocker, he just turned on the jets and ran right off of his hip. It just like 
no waste in motion. Like he knew exactly what he needed to do on that play. He read the play perfectly and then he just couldn't be caught. He was just too fast. So you put together all of that stuff and man, I'm telling you like that's, that's nobody to overlook. This running back class keeps getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, he obviously doesn't break tackles like Aaron Jones does because uh, that that's what separates Jones from a you know good back to an elite back. But the the fact that it's just like man, he finds the hole almost every time, and he just once he he hits that crease, he sets up his blocks. It's it's almost like no one's touched him, and it he he runs like he can see himself running like he he's running in like the third person where he's like, you know, picking it apart. And then he, he can kind of see that linebacker off to his right. So he kind of, you know, edges him that way. So his guard can climb and, and block him. And then he goes. So yeah, I has been very impressive. And this, this game was just nuts. Kenneth Walker. Last season started the year with a 264-yard four-touchdown performance, put himself on the map, and by week six, it looked a lot like with what we're seeing right here. I mean, it's, you know, you had some major 233 yards, uh, all these, you know, the the signature Kenneth Walker explosive plays where it's just chip, 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 gone. That's kind of what we're getting with this guy, with this kind of player. And that's kind of, you know, I'm not – making a comp, but I'm saying like the, the rise, I yes, think we might yeah. see something similar uh, this year. Oh man, more running backs. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, what does that make it like eight good running backs in this class? Jesus. Nope. I can't even, I can't even, there's a guy coming up here. Well, okay. Just we'll save that. Um, badges, badges this week. First badge handing out here. Uh, this is the big play J badge Oh, for Jonathan Mingo, uh, Ole Miss wide receiver. So we're watching Ole Miss to watch Zach Evans. But if you're watching this week, you saw Jonathan Mingo take over the game. He had nine catches, 247 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, could have been three touchdowns tackled at the one yard line on another big play. I mean, and, and this is just a, this is a weird one, man. I want to get your thoughts on Mingo because this guy was, uh, he's a senior had some, this name had some buzz junior year. He hadn't done much up to that point, but you can see the traits. He's a four-star recruit, but then he only had 23 catches last year. And, uh, I I'm proving my negligence here. I don't know if there was an injury involved last year or what happened, but what I do know is he came back to school and now we're seeing a very different player. We're seeing a sort of dominant player. I mean, it's not every week, but there's been flashes throughout the season and it has now culminated in this unbelievable performance where he just couldn't be covered. Yeah, this was, was pretty wild. It was a lot of big plays out of Mingo. It was that he had the post route that the, the one where he said he, he went down at the one yard line was probably his best catch of the night where he went over the shoulder and he was kind of sliding with his feet out in front of him and pinned it up against his chest. It was like, Oh man. Okay. So not only is he 
you know, big and fast and he can run a deep route, but he's also can track the ball and make these tough, tough, tough catches. And he, he also, one of, one of the, the, the long catches was a little cheesy where he, you know, came up and did the fake stock block and then burned the linebacker. It was like, that all was right. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. He sold it really well. So I, I can't really uh, knock him for that, but. Yeah, th- this was his his full on breakout game. He's had a few nice games in the past, but nothing over three receptions. And I mean, kind of like we were talking about with with Johnson, where it's like get your big fast player the ball, see what happens. And I mean, Mingo goes ten targets, nine receptions, two forty seven. Can't really complain a whole lot about that. Yeah, and I mean that's another point here is like I mean he's listed six two two twenty five. I mean, he's he's thick. He's a big dude. Uh, I'm not going to say the words A.J. Brown, but, I mean, Ole Miss, <laughs> big guy, thick guy. I mean, and it, like I said, I mean, I don't know. Something, the, a switch flipped for him this year, and it's just another case of these senior wide receivers. I mean, we got this extremely deep group of running backs the wide receivers, you could almost call them a bit disappointing, but you've seen all of these senior guys kind of fill in these gaps, uh, and Mingo might be might be the next guy. I mean, there was this was already a, a draft prospect. If you followed along last year, you've certainly heard the name, uh, but I think he's maybe hitting an entirely new level this year. Yeah, uh, last year broke his foot. There it is. Okay, so thank you for for finding that out because that explains a lot. So coming off injury this year and working himself right back into shape. And maybe we'll see more of this rather than uh, what we've seen before. And he can be that next Ole Miss receiver in the lineage with uh, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and hopefully Elijah Moore coming a little more prominently. The, uh, the Ole Miss social team didn't hold anything back. Uh, early, early season game here. We got a tweet from the Ole Miss football handle uh, shades of DK Metcalf. <laughs> so they're not messing around but i mean on that on the screen pass that he caught that 72 yarder <laughs> yeah. oh that was that nice. that was like freakish where he just stiff arms the guy and just goes i didn't like, know i didn't think he was that fast so Me either that's yeah. that at yeah very interesting very interesting player especially coming off a broken foot that's really whew. all right give me your first batch of the week so we got the big body badge. This is for uh, Michael Mayer. He's 6'4", 265, and I don't know what it is about those white Notre Dame jerseys, but he looked huge in this game. He did. Uh, they, played, they played BYU. He had 13 targets, 11 catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he he has mitts. He can get open against zone pretty easily, finds every spot. He doesn't get a ton of separation against man, uh, but it doesn't matter because if you throw it to him, he's probably going to get his hands on it. And if he gets his hands on it, he's probably going to pull it down. Uh, but on one of his touchdowns, he put the DB on skates. He went just a little fake flat route, stuck his foot in the dirt while the DB came to jump it and basically walked into the end zone. 
it, that that was made me kind of raise my eyebrows a little bit. Like, okay, Mike Mayer, I see you. You know, most of the time you're running these little drags, these little out routes, hitches. But I see you got a little more in your bag than they're uh, they're showing off at the at Notre Dame. Man, we have not gotten to talk about the tight ends very much this year. It's an interesting group, and it's highlighted by a guy who's like th- this caliber of a player, but. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this dynasty draft first round. Is this a first round dynasty pick? And if so, where? Uh, so assuming we're doing a 12 teamer. Yeah. Oh man. I don't given the talent in this draft class, just the depth of talent. I don't think he can be, I think he's at the top of the second round. I don't think you can have him be a first round pick. It's it's tough like he could sneak into the bottom of the first round. I wouldn't I like I can't blame you if you take him, you know, around the bottom of the first round. But I just think given the fact that there's so many cautionary tales at tight end no matter how elite the prospect, like I can't see somebody going out on a limb and being like I'm going to take Mike Mayer over one of the 100 running backs in this class, you know. Yeah, I mean, there we got a long way to go here. I'm going to keep saying it, but Mike Mayer is going to be a very interesting eval for me because he he is a he's huge. He's a huge guy. And there's a little bit of that rumbling and bumbling factor with him where I mean, sometimes it looks like he's just kind of chugging out there. Like he doesn't look very fluid all the time, but then all of a sudden you see plays like the one that you mentioned earlier and you're like, guy that big, he's doing that. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, I mean, he should have had three touchdowns in this game. He did have a, a drop in the end zone, but normally a pretty sure handed player. It's just, it's going to be an interesting one because like, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, that uh, that's a guy with mid first round dynasty ADP. Uh, and, it's just like you see kind of what happens and how how rare you really have to be to be one of the guys like amongst the group of tight ends and i'm still trying to figure out if i think mayors can be a part of that group but man games like this it's i mean it's hard to ignore it it's hard to ignore it 11 yeah, catches that, two touchdowns uh, i mean that's that's huge okay so let, let's just go over the the players that are that that we might think would go in the first round and and you tell me if you would take michael mayer over them okay 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 so b sound robinson no jackson smith and jigba no uh zach evans no no uh jameer gibbs no jordan addison no kayshaun boot booty right <laughs> right right start getting there i don't know where we are with him <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into sean tucker start getting interesting start getting into you know, charbonnet i mean uh, i mean it's, i mean it's all situational like i mean if if I don't know if he's a top 20 NFL pick and he's in a spot where he's going to be a number two target. I mean, 
I don't know. I just I throw it out there because there are moments when I'm watching him where I'm kind of just like he doesn't look that. I don't want to say athletic. He doesn't look that fluid. He's yeah. just so big, two sixty five. And and the the thing about the white jerseys, man. Like I'm watching the film on this game, and I'm like, Jesus, man, this guy's a <laughs> tank. Like I and it didn't like you said. I mean, he doesn't always gain like a ton of separation. But then it's like, can you expect him to? Or is that just a bonus? Is this like a, this? I mean, you're not just going one eighteen. 11 catches just from standing out there, you know, exactly. it's like he's making plays on the ball, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get into it more in depth in the off season. But like, it's this tight end group is just, I'm, I'm like trying to wrap my head around it right now. It's also like, can you tackle Michael Mara one-on-one? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're, if he's lining up out wide, I mean, he doesn't do it a ton, but every once in a while, he'll be lined up against a corner. You yeah. just throw him a hitch route, and it's like, well, he's just going to carry him to the first down marker until a linebacker can come and help the little guy out, you know? Right. Yeah, it's just a, it's a completely different player than, like, Kyle Pitts or right. Brock Bowers. Like, these are completely different tight ends, and yet, you know, Mayer excels in his own ways enough to, you know, be able to put up numbers like this and so yeah hey I'm, hey arthur smith uh just want to put out there that michael mayer ran a route on 96 percent of notre dame's pass plays uh that's how you get your elite tight end involved you give him 11 targets 13 targets uh on 96 percent route participation just a thought just a thought yeah. I mean, block, blocking is fun too. I think I'm most sure Mike Mayer probably thinks it's fun. Tight ends love blocking. Oh man, I don't even want to get into that. All right, moving on. Next badge for me this week. And what did I say? What did I say last week? I said, "Can we make it three weeks in a row?" And by God, I'm handing out the trifecta badge. To Zach Charbonnet. Because this guy, I mean, I don't need to sit here and tell you all the things that I told you last week and the week before and in the preseason. But, man, like every week he continues to become more impressive. I, th- this was Utah. This is a premier game. And UCLA is a fun team to watch right now. And Zach Charbonnet is a big reason why it was 20 this week, 22 carries 198 yards and a touchdown is best performance of the season in the biggest game of the season. I'm man. I'm just going to sit here and tell you right now, like Charbonnet is incredible. I mean, these, the fact that this might be RB five in this class, uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing. It's like, if he just keeps doing this, are we gonna be able to keep him at RB five? Like, no matter how we feel about like, who do you move down? Right, but like, uh, no matter how you feel about like the tantalizing athleticism of uh, Zach Evans, you know the the explosive. Like, I mean, you can't move like Sean Tucker down. The kid's been doing the same thing, and then Zach Evans, it's like. 
it, he's been hit and miss, but he's also split in the backfield with three guys. It's like Charbonnet toting the thing, I mean, 22 times for 200 yards. Uh, man, I, it's hard to deny that he should be moving up the boards, but given how talented the class is, it's I don't I don't know. Like I don't know what to do. I I'm I'm sitting here right now and I'm saying Charbonnet was ahead of Tucker in the preseason for me, and I think he still is. And there's a, maybe a group of people that would argue that with me, but I Charbonnet has the tools that Sean Tucker has. I just think he's better. <laughs> like right. I just think he's a better runner more consistent i mean it's i trust zach charbonnet to make plays consistently versus sean tucker where it's a little bit hot and cold and i don't want to turn this into you know a charbonnet versus no no because they're both great but yeah i that's a testament to how much charbonnet is showing growth this year this is a transformed player who was already a top talent last year he could have came out in the draft been a first round dynasty pick mid first round even maybe mid late he's he's exploding this year he's showing everything this year and it's it's a special special player to watch yeah it it makes you wonder like i was saying before how many of these running backs are going to go in the first round of dynasty drafts come 2023 draft season i mean if i'll say it again if he's going to do this like game after game where he like if you squint and change the colors on your tv it looks like nick chubb like i don't know like why not why wouldn't you take him 108 like the the upside is there where he can be at least a two down back if not a three down back because guess what charbonnet can pass protect a little bit too it and i mean he's catching passes more this year than he did last year he didn't catch any in this game but he he looks like a renewed player, which I did not expect. But he obviously went back to school with something to prove, and he's proven it. Man, I twelve picks, non super flex. I think you're reasonably talking about a situation where it's eight running backs in the first round. Yeah, it could absolutely be. It's that's it's nuts. insane. It's insane. I mean, we have some good quarterbacks in this class too, so like right. they could sneak into the first round in non super flex drafts. But man, yeah, these running backs are crazy. Give me another one. Give me your it's, next bet. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I I talked about him a few weeks ago. He was struggling on the ground. Put up two oh six. Most came off of some big plays. And then he comes back in this James Milrow offense. And they go zone read. This is the bookworm badge because uh, uh, he was running the zone read. He was reading his blocks, and he, it was it was right every time. He when he has time out of the gun, it seems like he's unstoppable. Like if he can get good blocking and he has time to look over the O line, and this this is what got him in trouble a few times in the past is he would sit and wait, and then it would get bottled up. But in this game against A&M, it was a lot of 7-yard, 8-yard, 9-yard pops where he would find his hole and go. And, I mean, I, I don't know why they went away from this zone read. Like, 
it was working beautifully, and then they went away from it, and Milrow became a complete liability in this game, honestly. But Gibbs was putting the seam on his back and looked great. Man, it's a fine line between patience and indecisiveness. Right. And this was a patient, systematic performance from Gibbs. And it's back-to-back weeks. I mean, we were, we're sitting there for four weeks, you know, Kind of almost not question like there was never a question, but it's just no, like it's just the, a little underwhelming, right? And the, it's like the rushing upside. We know he's an elite receiving back. What is his upside as a runner? And I think the last two weeks have done a lot to dispel any sort of lingering question marks about what his ceiling as a runner looks like, because he has just taken over in the last two weeks in terms of you know, looking so much better as a runner, honestly, than even last year, Georgia Tech. I mean, this was a question mark for me coming into the season was like, can we see real growth out of him uh, as a runner? And, you know, obviously the Alabama front lines are, are doing their part to help him out a little bit, but he's taking full advantage of it, like you said, making really great reads. I mean, the cuts are just always so prime with him it's like we, you get that one cut action and he's just like gone and then there's this one run where it was like I, I mean i don't know if it was designed this way or if he saw something but he just took it and just went he like it was like there's he knows there's running room right in front of him he didn't waste any time it was just like shot out of a cannon so it's like you get the patient gibbs and then you get the gibbs who's like all right i can run 15 yards before anyone can even see me uh, and that's, I mean, that's what this game was all about for him. Yeah. Gibbs can fly. That, that's what's been most yeah. impressive about these last two games is like when he, he is patient, but when, but he can be patient and indecisive and he can be patient and decisive. And in these last two games, he's been patient and decisive and that has churned out 11.4 yards per carry and 7.3 yards per carry in the last two games. And what I wanted to see is what is this offense going to look like without Bryce Young? And they said, well, we're going to feature Jameer Gibbs, our brand new transfer. And I mean, he's not playing every snap. Uh, he just still saw a lot of Jace McClellan in there, but Jameer Gibbs just looked incredible. So uh, th- this was another big game from Gibbs. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of talk, man. We've been talking a lot, Charbonnet, Sean Tucker, all these guys. At the end of the day, man, Jameer Gibbs, what he's doing this year is proving that he belongs in that in the upper echelon of this elite group of players. This was a top three running back for us in the preseason. He's not going anywhere based off what he's doing this year. Hundred percent. All right. Next batch for me. Going a little bit off that we're going from an Alabama. We're going from Alabama to a very different program, but a fun one here. This is the Cinderella badge, and I'm giving it to Chris Thornton from James Madison. All the way from the FCS straight into America's heart because James Madison, the Dukes, baby, they're 5-0. and they are they're killing it man this is the team that beat appalachian state uh 
after that Cinderella performance, I think, or maybe it was before. I don't know. They beat them. That's all I know. Uh, and one of the big reasons why is this guy, Chris Thornton, 5'8", 180, wide receiver, the prototypical slot guy. Uh, that's what he plays. Uh, no, no doubts there, but this week, nine catches on 12 targets for 173 yards, uh, all every game, but the Appalachian state game, he's been right about a hundred yards. He's been the featured piece of this offense. And I just, I get a sense from watching him that, you know, this isn't going to be your, you know. This isn't going to be your number one guy, your number two guy, but this is the kind of guy where you're talking about late round value, some fines. This is the kind of player that you look for. You know, there's this common vernacular with draft people where it's like, this is like my favorite guy in round five. And sometimes I (laughs) sit there and pause and like, well, well, then why do you have him in round five? But it's guys like Chris Thornton that make you understand like, there is value in those later rounds. Maybe he doesn't have the size. Uh, he's incredibly fast, by the way. Like that's what that's what separates him for me when I'm watching James Madison football and I'm like, can this guy really be an NFL? Pro-? Yeah, he can because he's incredibly fast. And um, so yeah, this is the kind of guy that I'm 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 watching out for. You keep your keep your fourth round picks. Maybe he turns into a third by the end of the year. So I when I was watching him. I, I thought of something, and I, I don't want it to put you off, but it, it reminded me a lot of Jalen Darden, where <laughs> it's like this this little hyper-productive slot receiver out of a small school. It's like, God, this, this guy, he has a ton of moves after the catch. He's so, so fast. You know, he's working out of the slot. He runs a ton of different routes. He looks really good, and then – you project like, okay, what is he going to be in the NFL? And it's like, oh, probably like a kick returner and like <laughs> maybe a slot receiver. But, well, yeah, I mean, but uh, he he looks super impressive. I, I hope that's not the case. I mean, Darden, I think, was like 100 pounds lighter than, 100, than 180, so that that's not exactly going to translate. But, yeah, Thornton, I mean, he looks so good. Uh, that, that From that first game on, Middle Tennessee, I mean, three touchdowns, 145 yards. And then coming back 173 yards this week, he's, yeah, but he's been good all season. Uh, he had a thousand yards last season. This isn't some flash in the pan. I mean, yeah, go Dukes. Dude, I, so one of the things about this year, this process of like really dialing in, like I was kind of putting together a shell of like what my big board positional rankings are going to look like. And I mean, I'm we're like 20 guys deep at both positions already, <laughs> which I've been following with the draft watching film yada yada i've been doing this for a long time never once have i gone this deep on guys so it's what this experience is showing me is how talented these players are i mean in a a deep draft class at least how talented these guys are that are maybe not first second third even third round guys the guys in the fourth fifth these skill position players these guys have real talent it's i mean i'd I can't say I spent a lot of time watching guys that were drafted in the fifth round before this year, but I don't know where Chris Thornton's going to end up, but it's guys like this that make you kind of sit and say, well, you know what? I have a lot more respect for the, for the guys filling out the, the rooms in the NFL than I did before this. I'll say that. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's like you you see guy 52 as much as you see guy number one. It's like, yeah, I mean, Jalen Darden, I mean, grinding his teeth as a kick returner on the Buccaneers. It's like he <laughs> – it's not like he's – not playing it's not like he no he has the skills to be an nfl player and he's making use out of them on a extraordinarily good team like a tom brady led offense obviously he's not seeing the field on offense much but it's like these hyper productive players could end up just being a guy like you know some some random guy on some team down the line it's like Oh, Chris Thornton returned a kick for a touchdown. I remember when we, you know, in 2022, and so. Or yeah. when Chris Thornton is wide receiver five on your favorite fantasy player's team and he vultures your touchdown because they're two wide receivers down, then you can sit there and be like, oh, not, God damn it, why is, who's this guy? You can be like, oh, wow, good for Chris yeah. Thornton, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, I knew Chris Thornton on the zip route. I Yeah. Of course, so, something yeah, tells ran that me Chris, old time at James Madison. Something tells me Chris wouldn't appreciate the spin that we've put on this conversation. But what I'm trying to say is, this guy's good. Just yeah, keep your eyes on. He is him. good. Keep your eyes on. And this team is fun. This is if you're not following with this, this is the Cinderella story of the year. Uh, similar to Coastal Carolina last year, who they're in the same conference now, and they're going to play later this year. So that'll be a fun one. But anywho. Uh, next badge for you. Yeah, I'm going to talk about basically the exact opposite player. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who may be projected to go number one overall. Uh, <laughs> so this is the In God We Trust badge uh, for CJ Stroud. Because whether you like it or not, he's always on the money. This this guy is putting the ball in places where it's it's pretty ridiculous. He had a throw to, to Marvin Harrison Jr. that basically made me uh put him put him on on the badge board this week where you know usually as a receiver when you're running a fly route you want to keep that cushion between you and the sideline so the quarterback can throw it to your outside shoulder well marv got pressed to the sideline a little bit cj stroud said you know what i'm gonna throw it anyway i mean why wouldn't you it's marvin harrison jr maybe the best receiver in the country and he still put it while marvin harrison was blanketed put it right on the number 18 on his right shoulder pad and it, it was it was disgusting some of the throws he was making in this game were nasty he was dotting up this Michigan State defense I mean in route to 361 yards six touchdowns he threw one pick uh he was 21 for 26 so uh, one of his five incompletions was an interception uh, they routed Michigan State. This was yeah a, another masterclass by C.J. Stroud. This is my QB one. He he looks incredible. He did it to him last year. This <laughs> was the game that we shouted out when we're talking Stroud. The four thirty two six touchdown performance from last year was like a real exclamation point on his season. Uh, he does it again. Uh, another six touchdowns against Michigan State this week. And man, we don't. I mean. Uh, we expected going into the year, like we're not going to be talking about the quarterbacks all that often here, but like it's not getting lost on me that Stroud is having an exceptional season that is confirming my initial thoughts that this should be the number one overall pick in the draft next year. 
And man, I just, I'm excited as an NFL draft fan to like dive into these quarterbacks a little bit more because interesting group of guys in this, in this position group as well. Very, very deep quarterback class. I'm getting a sense that, that this one also runs very deep. The top end might not be quite as strong as, as some previous years, but that does not apply to Stroud. I think Stroud is very, very talented and very much worthy of a, of a number one overall selection. Yeah. And I, I wanted to smuggle a little bit of Marvin Harrison talk into this because that, that kid can, can play. I can tell you what there, the, the touchdown that he had that made the rounds on all the social media pages where he caught that, I, I guess you can call it back shoulder. Uh, Stroud doesn't look anywhere, but left the Harrison is blanketed. And he's like, well, I'm just going to throw it at the back of this guy's helmet and hope my guy makes a play. And Harrison just goes up and over him and plucks it from behind him. And it, it was just, yeah. I mean, incredible game from Harrison Jr. Egbuka had another big game. I just cannot wait until Jackson Smith and Jigba gets back in this lineup. So I, so I can remember why he's our consensus number one wide receiver because I need that right now I just I the wide receivers have been kind of disappointing Addison has been like the only one that's been consistently good this year thank you very much so I need to see JSN be that guy to remind me okay this wide receiver class has an alpha and has a few good guys behind him to fill it out Man, when you're when you're diving in every week, it's easy to leave guys behind a little bit in your brain. I mean, we don't see Jackson for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm thinking about guys that are kind of emerging here, and then you realize, like, oh, the guy is still out there, and he's he hasn't shown us anything yet this year. So, man, I hope we get that sooner rather than later. I hope we get some extended time with Jackson before this season ends because we have been deprived for too long uh, and I'm ready to see it 100% I'm excited to see what they do in the playoffs because we yeah. should uh, by that time we should have JSN back at least it said we we could he's like week to week now and so I was hoping he'd play last week obviously we got pushed out we, you know want to be safer rather than sorry hamstring injuries very fickle you never want to really mess with that. I mean, you've seen what's happened with Keenan Allen. He's week to week, and it's like, I mean, is he ever going to play again? Yeah, you never know. It's, <laughs> so we we don't want that kind of stuff happening with JSN, where it's like, oh, he aggravated again, out for another four weeks. So, you know, keep resting him, keep ice on it. I can already see the headlines writing themselves. Jackson Smith and Jigba, injury prone, question mark, falling down the <laughs> rankings. Oh, we got to we always got to spice it up somehow come draft season. I mean, how else do you get clicks? Amen. Uh, wait till wait till we go down the clickbait road this year. <laughs> uh, never, never. All right. Um defense, right? Defense? Yeah. Oh my god. I Okay, well, I got a badge um I I don't want to call it a meme. But it's kind of a meme, but at the same time, it's like, this is the six snaps badge. <laughs> because, 
there's a lot of talented defensive players in college football. Um, a lot of, you know, Will Anderson could, could fill one of our spots every single week. No doubt about it. He could have done it again this week, but man, sometimes you just got to have a little fun and, what this is Clemson? We talk about Miles Murphy, the edge rusher for Clemson. Guy might be a top five pick. Well, they got a, another edge rusher back in the lineup this week. His name is Xavier Thomas. Uh, he's a senior, and in his first game back in action this year, actually redshirt senior, just to you know paint that. But uh, six snaps. What did he do with them? Four pressures. Two sacks. Uh, you can't deny. You can't deny the impact, man. And I, I, I. There was I couldn't find film on the game. I couldn't find it, so I had to resort to watching 2021 Xavier Thomas. Like, is this even a guy? Who is this? It's a Clemson edge rusher. Must be pretty good. He's a former five-star recruit. Ooh boy. Uh, and I watched the game against Georgia last year. I mean. He's got some tools. He's got some tools. Maybe maybe he turns six snaps into 12 snaps next week and has six sna- six sacks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the uh, definition of efficient right here. This is like, <laughs> yeah, throw this guy in there. He'll get a sack, you know, pull him out, get him a rest. And then a little later, throw him back out there. You know, he'll hit the quarterback, you know, take him out, give him a breather every once in a while. Just throw him out there and let him get a sack. I I, I don't understand how this happens. Uh, I refuse to acknowledge it, uh, but I'm impressed at the stat line. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> hey, we're just trying to keep some na- interesting names on the radar here. When you see a guy come back and do this, you're like, wait a minute. I don't know. It's like, it's like Greg Rousseau. He plays like 22 snaps on the Bills and has a sack every game. Oh, Rousseau, man. What a mm. – <laughs> former camper <laughs> look at him yeah, go. former camper that's right <laughs> uh yeah that's all i have on thomas keep your eyes peeled man clemson football we got some talented uh defensive players on that side of things that's right uh all right throw me your idp badge this week all right i have uh the nightcrawler badge because it seems like this guy just teleports everywhere wherever the <laughs> ball's at he's showing up <laughs> oh boy uh so i have cedric gray on this UNC defense. We've talked about their offensive talent uh, a decent amount, but let's talk about their defense a little bit. This is a player who plays that traditional linebacker role. You know, we're always looking out for that in the the IDP drafts. We want that guy that's just going to rack up tackles, you know. Who's our next Nick Bolton? You know, he came out and now he's just dominating on that Chiefs defense. Who's our next Devin Lloyd? Who's going to be racking up tackles, making plays? Well, Cedric Gray has played five games this year. He has 13-plus tackles in four of them, eight tackles in his other game. Uh, In this one, they played at Miami. He had nine solo tackles, so four assisted tackles. And he he just flies. He just makes a decision, and he goes. He fills holes. He has incredible pursuit. I mean, he, like I said, when – the ball is going outside. He's getting outside. He's he's mirroring that stretch. 
when it's coming downhill, he's coming downhill. When it gets thrown to a curl route, he's crashing on the curl route. I mean, it, it's literally like I watched the condensed version of this game because I, I it's hard to like watch highlights and be like, yeah, well, that linebacker really, you know, making a lot of t- – no, you can't do that. So I watched a condensed game, and it's like I couldn't skip a play on defense without seeing number 33 on the ball. And so, I mean, it's not – Drew Sanders level where he's affecting you know every level of the defense but Gray making a lot of plays he is awful in pass coverage though so that's something to worry about yeah I mean that's the thing like these linebackers like everybody has a role I mean it's really hard when you're not a super athletic player to like project um crazy success at the next level but i mean how many guys how many guys right now are you are we starting in idp in the linebacker spots that you didn't know who they were and i'm not trying to sit here and be like well you know cedric gray chris thornton you know these are six right no. like i don't know i've never watched cedric gray but i can tell you right now that i last year 100 tackles five tackles for loss. I mean, he's a junior. He's he's already kind of showing what he what is what he's got uh, from a skill set in his sophomore season now coming out this year having a really impressive start to the season. So, I mean, yeah, I I'm all aboard. Give us more linebackers to work with this year cuz we need them. Yeah, and when I say he's he's awful in pass coverage, I mean terrible. It's like <laughs> this week he let up seven catches on seven targets for 103 yards and a touchdown like it's bad he can get picked (laughs) on so that that's where it's like is this a guy that can be like a three down linebacker or are you just going to be coming in on like run packages so that's that's where I'd be worried about Cedric Gray but I mean he's putting together a hell of a season so I figured he deserved a shout out yeah shout him out i mean will anderson sitting over here on the in the campsite fucking pissed because he's like i should have had a badge every week and you're giving it to this guy you're giving it to mr six snaps and can't cover anybody that's who's getting these badges just sit down will you're gonna be the number one pick it's okay will had an incredible game we'll just say that he He the the uh, the end of that uh a&m alabama game was literally the A&M quarterback just running backwards every play because Will Anderson was like, I'm not going to lose this game. Like we, we have the four point lead. You guys are at the 20. Uh, that's enough. We're, we're good on that. We're this game is over. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about doing Brian branch, uh, DB prospect from Alabama. He plays slot corner for them, but he also plays in the box a bit. He's projected more in, in a safety role at the next level. So I'm, I'm kind of keeping my eyes on him. And I was going to do him this week and I'm watching the film and I'm like, Will Anderson did it again. Will Anderson did it again. Will Anderson, like I got I can't, I can't pick this guy over Will Anderson. I have to pick Will Anderson. But then I, you know, I gave, uh, gave Xavier a shout out this week. So hope you don't forget that yeah, Xavier. Will will probably, I'm sure we'll have you on the show next week. I mean, he's going to take this personally, put it up on the bulletin board in his locker. And, become the first know, defensive camper of the week that's what he's going to do <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised honestly <laughs> all right well how high how high hold on how high do you take sure. will anderson in an idp draft 
I took Chase Young eleventh. So yeah, and so seven. <laughs> I mean, again, though, you can rattle off a lot of running backs to make no, up, yeah, sit there and yeah. say ah. <laughs> so I think yeah, it might just yeah. be a product of the class, but if uh, if your scoring system rewards big plays, sacks, and that nature, if if D linemen are your uh, sort of top dogs on that side. I mean, no reason this guy shouldn't be a first round pick. I mean, DLs are the tight end of the defense when it comes to fantasy. And he could be uh quote unquote Kyle Pitts where it's like, this guy is going to be a top four tight end coming up top four DL coming up. Yeah. And he's going to be that for the next 15 years. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll see. All right, well, it's time to reach for the phone and you get the nerves. You don't want to have to do this, but we got we to gotta do it. It's time for the call home. So this week, I don't want to I don't want to make this call. In fact, I feel it's almost a bit unfair, but yet I have to do it. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. And I'm making the call this week on Tank Bigsby. Now, why do I think it's a bit unfair? Why do I not want to do this? Well, Auburn was going up against Georgia this week. So right away, you could have said to yourself, the Tank Bigsby under is probably a good choice this week. And you would have been correct because he had 10 carries that went for 19 yards he added two catches for 10 yards for a total of 29 yards against georgia so i mean it's georgia man but in a class of really really good running backs we kind of hype tank up in week one really really strong performance it hasn't really been that impressive since that point and then this happens. So, I don't know. Yeah, give them the benefit of the doubt for a while. It's like, you know, not getting a ton of carries. Doesn't really have an opportunity. He's getting four yards of carry, basically, which is, I mean, par for the course for Tank. It's a little lower than his, his you know, yards per attempt last year, hovering around five, but it, not bad on on low carry numbers. And then it's like, all right. We, we got to start seeing something tank. I, I mean, you give us the Grim Reaper worthy performance week one and then just kind of hasn't been there since. So uh, hope a, a bounce back is coming after this Georgia game. Hopefully it's a little bit of like, all right, let's let's get it back into gear because, I mean, after last year, it was like, all right, Tank Bigsby might be, you know, third round kind of NFL pick. One of these uh, – power backs that can can get it done that can you know make a lot of things happen on the ground and uh, it hasn't looked great so far this year that all being said i i 100 agree that this has not been an ideal situation for tank this year but the auburn run blocking grade from pff is also not good right. so interested to see when we get into the film you know what does it look like is it more of a tank problem is it a blocking problem is it both you know like 
it's not the kind of player that I'm going to make an assessment on based off of, you know, a 19 yard performance against Georgia, but it, it goes without saying that we've hyped up a lot of these other running backs and they're all putting up very, very gaudy numbers. Um, where a guy like tank, you know, he started off really, really good, but from a production standpoint, it really hasn't lived up to it thus far. Yep. And yeah, it, it makes you a little bit gun shy when you when you're not seeing the the numbers show up. But if you know at the end of the season, if you're like, well, if you put this guy behind Pittsburgh's O line, I don't know. Right, right, yeah, like Alabama, <laughs> like Jameer yeah, Gibbs. Exactly. Suddenly he's got blocking and he looks like a phenom. So, but uh, all right, give me your uh, call home. Who are you calling? So I'm giving a ring to uh, a player that was in my my top five at the beginning of the season. I, I try to make my call homes people that I have high expectations for because you know if if I'm not if I don't care about you, I'm not gonna call home. you know if I don't expect a lot about you, I'm not gonna call home. But Marvin Mims, I expect a lot out of. He started off the season really well. Uh, should, you know, I, th- I think came to the Red River showdown, but he didn't show up. I could tell you that one catch on three targets for negative two yards. My man, this is a historic rivalry. We got to show up to these games and we got to be on national TV and prove that you are belong in this conversation. We need receivers, man. <laughs> We can't have you showing up and and laying an egg in one of the one of the classic rivalries in college football. So, Marvin Mims getting the call home. Uh, a little disappointing. Is supposed to be one of the better slot receivers in this class, and just did not show up in this game. Man, not many players on Oklahoma did. I'll tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> That's, 49 to nothing this week. Shut him out. I mean, Bijan could have earned himself a badge this week, um, but it was really a full team effort from Texas with the return of Quinn Ewers this week. Uh, and the Oklahoma, I mean, this is not your, this is not Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team <laughs> anymore. I'll tell you that. It's been a little bit of a struggle for them. And Mims, uh, yeah, couldn't uh, he couldn't be the X factor this week. He couldn't really even be any type of a factor whatsoever. Yeah, unfortunate, but uh, he did only play 17 passing down snaps, so not a ton to work with there. But I mean, only drawn three targets. He, you got to do better than that, man. Got to got to step it up. I mean, this is after a disappointing week last week against TCU. Only four catches for 40 yards. So let's get back on track, Marvin. Let's uh, start finding those deep, those big plays again, those deep routes out of the slot. Let's start making it happen, man, because we don't want to get an even darker wide receiver class. Oh man, I it's gonna be a it's gonna be a story of the off season. As much as the running backs have excited us, I mean, I I want to get into the wide receivers because I want to get a grasp of what it looks like right now because I don't think I am ready for it. I don't think anybody's ready to understand if who is actually in the top five or top eight right now. I don't think those names were registering when the season began. 
Yeah, who is actually good? I'll tell you who is Rasheed Rice. All right, we got the name of the show. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so, um, all right. Well, that is the uh, that is the bulk of the of what we got going on here this week with the players. Uh, like I said at the beginning, week seven for college football is exceptional, and not all of the matchups necessarily apply. Uh, for Camp Dynasty's purposes. But just check it out. Just take a look at what we got going on this week because there's a lot of really, really fun games on the schedule. And I got five of them here that, uh, I mean, these are this might be the best group of games we've seen all year uh, so far. So uh, starting right away at 11 o'clock, I got two games here at 11 First uh, is number 10 ranked Penn State going up against number five Michigan. That is on Fox. And, I mean, Nick Singleton might not be draft eligible this year or next year, but watch out for that guy. Blake Corum on the other side. Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, just a a top 10 Big Ten matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about Blake Corum a couple weeks ago, and he has taken that lead running back role and ran with it at Michigan. So, see if he can run all over Penn State in this game. And yeah, this will, this should be a fun one. Michigan back at the the top is fun to fun to see. Wolverines and speaking of wide receivers, maybe not quite performing up to standards. Parker Washington for the Nittany Lions is a name that. Still in the conversation, I suppose, but we haven't really talked about him much. But a uh, name to watch on that side as well. Um, other game at 11, uh, just talked about him. Tank Bigsby and the Auburn Tigers chance for a, a bounce-back performance. Going up, though, against another top-10 opponent. It is the number 9-ranked Ole Miss Rebels. That is on ESPN following game day. And, and Ole Miss, man, we got another reason to watch this team now after the breakout performance by Mingo. Yeah, we get to see Jonathan Mingo, and we get to see – Zach Evans has looked incredible. I, I want to just kind of reiterate that. He is getting less touches than we were hoping. We were hoping he'd get kind of a bell cow roll, but I'm okay with them kind of saving the legs until the NFL season. And Judkins has looked great i think he's a freshman is he a true freshman he is a freshman yep yep yeah i believe he's a true freshman um man yeah i mean zach evans had an incredible touchdown in the game this week um and he's still doing great but they have a lot of talented running backs on that team and judkins is i don't want to say he's the best of the bunch because i love zach evans man but he's looking Uh, he might be exceptional as a freshman it is crazy yeah, he, he looks so good. So don't miss that one. A lot of really talented running backs in that game. Um, moving into the afternoon window, uh, this is the game of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. I will be on my couch with my butt cheeks planted in this spot for three-plus hours. 2.30 p.m. on CBS. It is number three ranked Alabama going up against number six ranked Tennessee volunteers, baby. And man, there's prospects on both sides and there's action on both sides. And this is going to be a crazy, crazy game. 
Yep, get Hendon Hooker, get Tillman, get uh, hopefully Tillman's Bryce Young. Hurt. Tillman is oh. Tillman's out. That's why we haven't been talking about him much. But, uh, yeah, Hendon Hooker, man, he's – since we talked about him, I'm starting yeah. to get a little bit more uh, – the, the water is starting to boil a little bit more with Hooker. I need Hooker to put a little piss on the ball every once in a while. <laughs> I feel like every one just kind of floats out of his hand. I need him to put a little mustard on that thing. But I, Bryce Young, I think, should be playing this game. I, he was questionable for uh, last game, and I think they held him out cautionarily. And then, I, obviously, Gibbs. Uh, Jermaine Burton looked really good last week. Uh, so hopefully he can build on that. Maybe if uh, – oh, what's their backup quarterback's name every time? Messes me up. I'm sorry, I got him. Milro, Milro, thank you. Milro seems to have a little bit of connection with Jermaine Burton. So, uh, if they can, if if Milro ends up starting, maybe they'll uh, keep building on that, and Jermaine Burton can prove that he's got a little bit of tools and add to this wide receiver class, please. Before we move on, give me your pick. Who wins this game? Uh, if Bryce Young plays, Alabama wins this game. If Milro plays. I I give the edge to the Volunteers. Damn. Milro looked like shit last game. I'm gonna be honest. Something special is happening in Knoxville. I I think yes. there might be a little magic brewing ahead of this game. But um, all right. Next up, staying in the SEC, a uh, little bit different in terms of a ranking perspective. Two unranked programs, but we're keeping our eyes on them both. It is LSU. We're still waiting. <laughs> and Florida. So LSU and Florida, that is 6 p.m. on ESPN. And we know both sides of this, what we're looking at. And honestly, both sides have something to prove in this game. I I don't want to watch any more LSU football, <laughs> man. I'm tired. I mean, I, we got the Quentin Johnson breakout. Maybe we could see a K-Sean breakout pretty soon, but... Anthony Richardson, uh, you never really know what's going to happen. The highs are the highest of highs. The lows are the lowest of lows with him. So uh, we kind of expected that. Raw prospect, uh, we talked about him at the beginning of the year where it's like, yeah, he's primarily used as a gadget guy, and now he's coming in, throwing the ball around the yard, and some of those throws are nuts. They come off his hand and just kind of fly and land in perfect spots. But sometimes he, when those ac- when the accuracy wavers, it's pretty bad. Booty had his most uh, catches of the season this last week against Tennessee. That was six. <laughs> so yeah. well, 33 yards f- and a yeah. touchdown. <laughs> so first touchdown of the year. So progress. But, um, I man, I'm starting to think Richardson. I don't know if he's coming out this year. I, I would stay if I was Richardson. I would, I'd give it another year to develop. I mean, like I said, this, the signs are there where it's like, hmm, this is – tantalizing but i like i said when he's bad it's bad unless the draft advisory board tells him you're a top 10 pick i don't think you can come out if you're if you're richardson the floor is too low right now we saw what happened with the quarterbacks last year teams were not really willing to to mess around with it and i don't know but we'll see there somebody will probably take a shot on him honestly that's what i'm thinking but man i don't i don't know if i like it but yeah. We got a lot, a lot of time left to talk about that. Um, all right, next game then. Last game I have, uh, we're switching to the Pac-12 because we got to give the Pac-12 some love, and especially with a matchup like this, 
number seven ranked USC Trojans going up against number 20 Utah. That is 7 p.m. on Fox. I wanted to make Dalton Kincaid my tight end one, and then Michael Mayer was like, hey, man, I'm thicker than shit, and I'm going to make this happen. You're not going to be able to stop me. So um, uh, we'll, we'll get to see him against this USC defense. Uh, they fly around. They make a ton of plays. This USC team is a joy to watch. Yep. I called a must watch a couple weeks ago and I've been watching them as, as whenever I can, I've been tuning into this team. It is very fun to watch. It's you pull up, snuggle up late on a Saturday night, watch some USC pack 12. That's, it doesn't get much better than that right now. Is uh Caleb Williams, a top five dynasty quarterback. We'll table that for later. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for uh, – all right. That leaves one final order of business for the week six camp report, and that is to gather around and tell some campfire stories. So we're doing this on a Tuesday, which is unusual, but that gave me an opportunity to watch Monday Night Football in its entirety. And we saw uh, the second most egregious um, roughing the passer call in the NFL this week. Uh, I say second most egregious because Tom Brady got sacked, and they called that a roughing the passer as well. Now... I, I'm okay with with protecting players. Obviously, I I don't want injuries to quarterbacks. Most important position in football. It pays the bills. I get it. But if the play would not be considered unnecessary roughness on a skilled player, why are we calling it roughing the passer? Like, well, I I say that meaning when the ball is out and the guy gets hit, it's like, yeah, if you just hit a guy, that's unnecessary roughness. If you get, like, suplexed, slammed to the ground, hey, they call that unnecessary roughness too. And so they were talking about it on the broadcast, Buck and Aikman, and they're like, put the dresses away. This is football. And it's like, okay, we don't have to go there. Like, don't be a fucking asshole about this. You know? (laughs) The wormhole, the wormhole that this created, man. The drama—it's <laughs> it was there was layers upon layers of drama to this whole thing. I love that we're talking about it. Yeah, and then Joe Buck brings up the Tua situation, and this this should be a completely separate issue. This should have nothing to do with what happened to Tua. The problem with what happened to Tua was that he was almost obviously concussed to the point where they the NFL made a rule that if you look like a drunk on the field you cannot go back in that game huh who would have thought and Tua goes back in that game and then plays four days later gets slammed on his head and knocked unconscious and has a terrible reaction and it's like I know we all feel horrible about that but that has nothing to do with roughing the passer. One of those got called roughing the passer, by the way, because it was. 
we can't start calling just routine football plays a collision sport. We can't start calling that in fear of something completely separate where the NFL's process is fucked. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot to unpack in what you it's just said. Um, I'm going to start with the point about Buck and Aikman. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you feel like they've just gone a bit rogue since they got yeah. their ESPN money? Yeah, it feels they, like Buck and Aikman are just like on a podcast reacting to the game. It's just like saying whatever they feel like it. Yeah, that's okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that because, yeah, the, I mean, Aikman is clearly out of his bag and he's just whipping out these comments and then there's social media reaction and it's not great. And, um, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. But the point about roughing the passer, I mean – the, the Chris Jones one last night, like, I can understand the call. Yeah. I don't like the call, but at Same. least we've seen it enough times now where it's like going all the way back to when Clay Matthews sacked Jared Goff or whoever it was, and it was like landed on him with his body weight, and it's like, well, that's what the rule says now. It's like, okay, well, whatever. It's like, yeah, there's going precedent for, for that. There's precedent for that call. The Brady one is just completely unhinged it's just completely unhinged there was nothing about the play that was even suggestive that it could have been a roughing the passer like it wasn't even borderline it was just like a wrap he he barely tackled him he grabbed him around the waist and just like spun around because players are moving around when they're running at the quarterback so it's like that one didn't make any sense to me, and it just—I mean, I don't want to—I don't want to get into this whole thing where it's like, well, they're just protecting Brady, but like, at some point, you got to think that an unconscious part of uh, Jerome Boger's brain said, "That's a 45-year-old Tom Brady," and I right. think he hit his butt pretty hard on the ground, so that seems like a roughing the passer to me. Yeah, and that—that's where it's like. And they come out and defend it. That's the that's the biggest right, issue. Is yeah. like, well, he got slammed to the to the ground. It's like, did he? Are we not? Are we playing football still? Like, no quarterback wants that call. Like, are, are you a little happy you're getting 15 yards and a first down? Your drive stays alive. Yeah, but it's not like you're not going to get sacked like that and then get up and complain to the ref. Why am I not getting a roughing call there? Like, that's just not something that anyone expects to be called. Yeah, I. It was a really bad weekend. Really bad weekend for that. And just punctuate. I mean, there. Man, then you got the. Whole, I. I don't even want to get into it. It's a the Devonte Adams stuff. A lot of Twitter stuff this week. A lot of Twitter yeah. stuff. If you're on Twitter, you're watching the war of the words, uh, with people on taking sides on the Aikman thing and the Devonte thing, and it's like this isn't hard, guys. Like there's there's one right answer to both of those things. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, but I hundred percent. Um, all right, my campfire story this week. So, uh, last week, parsing the Twitter feed again, sensing a theme here, spending too much time on Twitter, but uh, it's October and it's never too early for mock draft season, man. And I saw one come out already from PFF last week 
um, and I, I clicked into it. I, I didn't. I, I tried to stay away from as much draft media as I could uh, over the last few months here, just so that we could orient ourselves without any sort of, you know, unconscious bias like Jerome Boger and the roughing the passer. But um, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on things right now, so I was like, I want to. I want to just take a look. What's going on with the mock draft stuff? I mean, it's October. I'm already thirsty for it, so let's tech, let's check it out. Um, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Because the number one thing that caught my eye, it wasn't Jordan Addison being the wide receiver one taken in the draft. It wasn't even Quinton Johnston pre-200-yard game getting drafted ahead of Jackson. It was the fact that Kayshawn was not a first-round draft pick in that mock draft. That was the thing that stood out to me the most because that, to me, I mean, like like I'm going to keep saying all the way through, we are not in evaluation mode. We are simply reacting to a lack of production from Kayshawn, but at the same time, it does not change the fact, man, that you and I both, you maybe even you more so, have already started to maybe reassess our preseason notions of Kayshawn. Uh, more so in the sense that there was more to prove for this player and he hasn't proved it. So to see that draft media, PFF, is already sort of on the boat of like, you know what, man, maybe this guy isn't what we thought he was. That was pretty shocking to me. It was. So, this was a PFF mock draft, and if, if you look at Kayshawn's PFF grade through the, uh, the first six games of this season, he's sitting at a 57.3, and I'm sure that holds a lot of weight in the, the PFF camp when they're creating that mock draft, and... I, I wouldn't take a whole lot of stock in it. I mean, I, like, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I guess, like, I don't, like, I don't take stock in any mock draft, and that's something that we can talk about in great detail when we get to that point of the season where, like, to me, mock drafts are just fun. That's what they are. They don't mean anything unless you are the most plugged in NFL personality out there. I don't really trust anything that you're telling me in a mock draft. I think it was more so just the fact that I was a bit shocked that, I mean, th it wasn't a Mike Renner mock. Mike Renner is the, is the uh, top draft analyst with PFF. It wasn't his mock, but Kayshawn is or was his top wide receiver in the class over Jackson. So to see that there's already this very, very stark shift in thinking away from that uh, was pretty strange to me because I'm, I'm not ready to say anything definitive yet but it does seem like we're heading in a certain direction so yeah we've talked about Kayshawn almost every week and we've we've come to a point where uh i think last week we almost decided that i mean Kayshawn is partially at fault but i i called home brian kelly because this offense is not doing anything doing him any favors so i i i mean i can understand why somebody would say 
Because I went into the season and I was like, hey, I'm nervous about Kayshawn. Like, I need to see it. And I haven't seen it. And so I'm at a point where am I worried that Kayshawn's going to suck? I mean, there's a part of me that thinks that. But there's also the part of me that knows Kayshawn is gifted as an athlete and as a wide receiver because you see the flashes. So is he falling in people's eyes? Yes. Should he be taken as high as we expected him to be taken? No, I don't think so. I mean, if if we're talking about, say, a super flex uh, first round of a, a rookie draft, I mean, is he he's going around the bottom of the first round maybe? Because uh, you're plugging in C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Bryce Young probably in the first round there. And then you have all those running backs. You have Jordan Addison. You have Jackson Smith and Jake. But it's like, yeah, it, it makes you a little nervous when you don't see the production. But at the same time, if their offense, if his offense isn't giving him any help and, you know, they're not scheming anything for him, uh, what are you going to do, you know? I'm not saying that the lack of production is what caused the fall, but what I'm asking is if it is, then why is Quentin going ahead of Jackson? Right. In a pre-breakout environment. I mean, right. I we're not chasing stats, neither are they. Neither is anybody that really, you know, puts time and and thinks about these things, but it's just that's what that was that was what was so weird to me. Was like is there is there more to the story is the off the field stuff maybe as damning as it seems like it could be right now because like we talked about previously like it's just a lot of negativity around Kayshawn right now with the team, social media, I mean all of this all of this I I just don't know if if there's more to the story that you know maybe people are hearing things but it's just uh yeah, it's it's something to monitor. I mean, we're gonna we're we're gonna have our own personal evals on Kayshawn when it's all said and done. But if uh, if come January and the mock drafts start rolling out post college football season and Kayshawn's kind of left in the dust, that's a pretty stark change from a guy that was more often seen as a wide receiver one in the class than Jackson was for many people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'll be interested to see how like consensus ADP ranks them yeah. come come draft time if if the fall is as stark or if this wide receiver class is shallow enough to, to buoy them to the top and that's what we're going to be here to talk about Colin that's what Absolutely. we're going to be here to talk about should you should you buy into it should you buy into the fall of Gayshon should you not where are the values all of these things I'm just excited for for that I, I read the mock draft this week and i got i got excited i was like is it draft <laughs> season yet <laughs> no it's the middle of college football just settle down but so so my question is we talked about anthony richardson struggling as a junior talk about would he come back if he's not projected to be one of those you know top end guys Kayshawn is also a junior he's been struggling if he gets told by a draft eval hey you're not a first round pick I mean, is Kayshawn, does Kayshawn consider going back? I say no, given the the because the, the class is weak. But I don't know. Yeah, I I think I'd agree. It's a it's a combination of the class, and then there's also a very speculative element of it, which says if 
the lot if his relationship with the team isn't great, sure. then maybe you just decide, all right, well, someone's going to bet on me and I'm going to take the chance to just get out of here and show that I'm better than 30 yards per game. And so, I don't know. It's a long, very long road ahead, but I just, you know, check it out. Check out the mocks. I mean, we're, we're already here. I feel like this gets earlier and earlier. The, the buzz around the draft has accelerated more and more every year and now you know people are thirsty for mocks uh already in june following the last draft so um that's where we are and that's where we will end things this week so man i just like i think i said this last week but it was reaffirmed this week and taking a look at what we got ahead i mean in the quote-unquote phase three of camp dynasty and and then seeing some of the draft content this week it's just it's exciting man because we've been talking about these guys for a long time already we've already been here for like three months talking about these players uh and it's it's starting to the puzzle is starting to assemble the the picture is getting a little bit more clear um, and I'm I'm excited to to dive in head first with you after the season and really start breaking it down. Yeah, I've been thinking about who who am I going to draft come come 2023 like August 2023. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where my head is at. I'm like, you know, I mean, who is you know who's going to take the chance on on Zach Evans? You know, maybe they they look at him, see the production's a little low, and then I can you know sneak him out a little later. And uh, so, you know, it's a sick thing, but that's where I'm at. I don't have any picks right now, so I don't have to worry about it. So you have fun <laughs> with that. Um, well, thank you. This was a longer one. We had some fun this week. Hope you did too. Listening in. We always appreciate it, and I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to do a thing that I never do, but I'm going to say if you enjoy Camp Dynasty and you made it all the way to the end with us, leave us a review on whatever platform that you prefer to listen on. Follow us on social at Camp underscore Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, we're we're ramping it up here. The people are excited about it. We're excited to be doing it, so we're, we're grateful to have everybody along uh, for the ride thus far and it's only going to get better from here so get on board and learn who you should take in 10 months from right now yeah uh, that we sound like a real podcast yeah, so that's what, like like I'm stepping into my professional era right now it's like what is this this is what yeah. i hear on everyone i listen to but i've never done it before five stars leave a review <laughs> it's uh, spotify has uh, reviews now give us uh, drop us a five star but um all right well thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week we appreciate it and until next week have a great week